Percy, what should one do when the odds are seemingly against you towards success? Well, Wayne, quite simply, one needs to look deep into their heart and their soul and ask themselves two questions. What am I willing to live with? And most importantly, or more importantly, and what am I willing to die with and for? Mm. I think today this is a very important conversation to the cancer community, and we should probably have a discussion about it. Okay, we will. On today's show, you'll hear from a woman who was told twice she only had a 2% chance of survival of pancreatic cancer, and that was 13 years ago. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Pastor P, you doing all right? Doing fantastic, my friend. Good. You look good. And we're off and running on this episode of the program, I Beat Pancreatic Cancer. What a testimony we're going to hear. Tremendous testimony. And for people who are familiar with the pancreatic cancer uh, numbers and diagnosis, they're not always uh, very hopeful and very helpful. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to hear from someone that said, uh, not this particular person, and move <laughs> forward beyond all of that. All right. Hey, we have a question we're going to pose to our listeners now. So this is our habit each week, and these are so helpful to get the responses to. The question this week we'd like to ask our listeners, and thanks for your honest response, mm. have you ever been faced with unfavorable odds of success yourself? And what did you choose to do about it? Have you ever been faced with unfavorable odds of success, and what did you choose to do about it? To answer the question, go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on Connect at the top of the screen there, and then the drop-down menu will give you a chance to type in your response, and thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of questions, we also have some responses to previous questions that have been asked on the show on some previous episodes. And one of the questions that we're going to read an answer to today is, how has being a part of a community of people affected by cancer benefited you? And the answer from Mobile, Alabama is this, a friend at church went as my caretaker, which I needed. My journey with cancer was a God thing. Thinking back, I see God's hand. I can only thank God for being who he is. I can't explain it, but Christians know and feel as I do. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, worship, praise, and rejoicing in Christ seems to be far too little for God. But that is all this sinner saved by faith has to offer. Sacrifice of praise. Wow. Huh? If that if that doesn't speak to your heart, I don't know what will, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for responding to that question with that response and all the responses that we've received. They really are very helpful to us, not only to encourage us and to encourage other listeners, but they form the basis of future programs mm. as well. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Take us to Scripture before we go any further. Our spiritual nugget so that we can get grounded in the Word of God for today's conversation is found in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And we're going to read verses 3 through 6, and it reads as follows. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5 is our operative verse for today's conversation. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Boy, you're going to hear a testimony today. Yep. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we have a free resource that you can download right now at our website, What the Bible Says About Hope. Hope is a key thought, a key principle for us. Uh, It's in our title, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Yeah, as as I have lived and as I've spoken to most people that I've come in contact with, I think that hope is the most undergirding uh, either natural or spiritual principle that we can wrap our arms and our heart around. And at the end of the day, the Bible says so much to us about godly hope, not uh, artificial hope, not, you know, hope that we just pull out of thin air, mm-hmm. but the hope that comes from the word of God about salvation, about support, about all sorts of things that at the end of the day, Paul says, hope is an eager and an earnest expectation. So we thought we put a resource together that will uh, talk about what does the Bible say about hope, because we think it's such an important dynamic in the lives of everybody on planet Earth. Download it, uh, share it with your family and friends. You'll be blessed if you did. Thanks for putting this together. What the Bible says about hope. Download it, use it at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Have you ever wanted to find answers to your cancer-related questions? With Cancer Center for Alexa, now you can. The Cancer Center for Alexa skill is a voice-activated question and answer tool empowering users to ask Alexa questions they may have about cancer or services available at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The skill can answer over 800 questions on more than 40 different cancer types, symptoms, risk factors, and treatment options. To access this tool, you or anyone you support can simply say, Alexa, enable Cancer Center to any Amazon device. Also, you can access this tool on any smartphone by downloading the Alexa app, the Cancer Center for Alexa skill. All right, I'm Wayne Shepard with our host, Percy McCray, who recently sat down to talk with our guest. Her name is Christina, and Percy introduces us to her right now. Well, man, oh, man, oh, man, am I excited for today's interview. Uh, I'm going to speak to someone that I've known a really long time. And I remember uh, when we first met uh, uh, in the halls of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and uh, we've had a relationship ongoing through the years and we finally reconnected. Today, we're going to talk to Christina Parrish who is a 13-year stage 4 pancreatic cancer survivor, and she is thriving and surviving. And today we want to hear her story. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration, Christina. How are you doing, dear? Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm doing actually just quite lovely today. It's a beautiful day in Maine, and uh, I can't be more blessed to, to just wake up every day and and uh, see the, the the beautiful the beautiful natureness of Maine. Uh, it's uh, I I just enjoy waking up every day. It's always been a thrill of mine uh, since being diagnosed. Well, it is such a pleasure and a privilege for me to have you on the show for several reasons. Number one. Uh, we go back many, many years when I met you in the halls of CTCA and I was the chaplain there and I was supporting and praying with patients and et cetera. Number two, because uh, as part of the introduction, you know, you are a pancreatic and a stage four pancreatic cancer survivor. And as uh, many who may be listening know or are aware, 
Pancreatic cancer is one of the more difficult conversations to have of cancers from a survivorship perspective because it has some of the lower numbers of survivorship. And of course, you know, uh, probably for many, the uh, in a recent memory, Alex Trebek of uh, Jeopardy, you know, uh, fought uh, a valiant fight with cancer and then uh, transitioned. And so uh, I want to talk about all of that. But first, before we go into specifics around uh, the type of cancer you had, uh, as I always do, uh, let's talk about the day when, and I call it the day, when you first were told that you had cancer. Where were you and how did you feel? Well, I... I went into my first oncologist. Well, actually, no, let's back that up. I actually went into my primary care doctor because I had had scans and uh, I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling well at all. And so I go in thinking it's a normal doctor's appointment and uh, they never mentioned the word cancer, but they told me I had a, uh, a golf ball size mass in my pancreas and uh, numerous spots on my liver. Mm. And so that was, that was the day that literally my life flashed before my eyes. Uh, I thought about everything I wanted to do in life. And, uh, and then, and then, I mean, after I, I heard that it was, it was a, a life changing uh, event. Uh, one that really made me realize that, Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready to go yet. Uh, so, and I, I, at the time I really didn't know what it meant, uh, what they said to me until I actually went to the oncologist, geez, two weeks later. And they really gave me, they gave me what, what I had. And, uh, I, I was in, I, I was awestruck. I was dumbstruck. I didn't, I didn't even know what I had. And, uh, it was. It was a, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I still can't even find the words that actually describe it. Yeah, yeah. And as I often have said, you know, uh, there's nothing like being told directly, you know, you have cancer. You know, uh, I've experienced that. And so with that yeah. being said, you know, that was 13 years ago, uh, somewhere thereabouts that you were told that you started a path of, of treatment and, and care. Uh, we met at Cancer Treatment Centers of America uh, in Chicago at the Zion facility. And uh, and I remember those days very fondly that, you know, the times that we spent together in prayer and just chatting and just kind of, you know, trying to create an environment of support and hopefulness for you. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about, um, you know, being told that you had pancreatic cancer. And now I'm sure you're much more aware of you know, just the numbers that are not necessarily favorable with regard to a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. And yet here you are uh, alive and well. You've been out of treatment. Uh, You're thriving. You know, you've started your own foundation. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. What would you say to someone that's listening today who may be uh, told that they have uh, pancreatic cancer? and, And how would you encourage them today? Uh, I, you know, the biggest thing I, I talk to people every day, uh, from all over the, it, everywhere in the world, uh, never give up hope. Mm. Uh, that was something I was determined not to do. I was 40 years old when I was diagnosed and I w- I refused, I refused to, to, to give in to what they, the time limit that they gave me. And, uh, that, you know, that I have to say hope kept me alive. Mm. And, you know, I was hopeful that, that 
you know, with my age and, and with everything that was going in technology, that there's always hope. And, uh, you know, if I, I mean, my tumor markers, uh, I, I know we don't want to talk numbers, but they were so significant. I've never even heard of with all the people I've talked to in 13 years, uh, that high. And so with that, I tell people that, and, you know, I can hear hope in their voice. So never hope is the biggest thing. You never lose hope. You never hope is the most important thing and believing that you can do it, uh, yeah. is, are, are, are some of the most uh, vital things that you can take in, uh, to your journey through cancer. Okay. And, and, you know, and of course the name of this show is health, hope and inspiration. And, uh, we'll talk a little bit more, uh, later about hope. But, um, with that being said, uh, your clinical pathway, uh, what were some of the things that you had to do chemotherapy, radiation, surgery? What were, what were some of your clinical pathways? Well, I started out, uh, with what would be called the clinical trial now. Uh, back then, they, they didn't call it that. So I had an intra-arterial therapy, mm. which uh, you had to meet certain qualifications to get into. And so I did that. And then I did regular chemotherapy every uh, uh, three to four weeks. So I, I, was never, I was never a surgical candidate. I never had any type of uh, radiation. So it was just uh, chemotherapy, okay. intensive intensive chemotherapy. And so with that, uh, obviously, you know, you work through that process. Um, and again, to your point, uh, obviously, you sought clinical care. And again, such an important dynamic. Um, and going through the clinical journey and pathway, what was it that helped you to feel confident or comfortable with kind of the clinical? Because again, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of language. There's a lot of new things that you don't know and you're not familiar with before you become a cancer patient. How were you able to navigate all of the jargon, all of the language, all of the things that were thrown at you and manage that? That That is a great question. So um, I didn't until I I kind of ignored it until I actually got to Cancer Treatment Centers of America for uh, for my first, uh, like for them to go through the regimen of what it was taking to, to treat me and what I had and, and them getting the, the accurate records. So we had what was called a patient navigator. Mm -hmm. And so this patient navigator talked with us, asked questions or let us ask questions, but also, uh, Roxanne, I, I, I love her to this day. Mm. She actually came into my first oncology appointment and kind of helped navigate that appointment so we could understand what the doctor was saying yeah. and if our questions weren't being answered. So I was very thankful for how, how all that happened out there because, I mean, you're kind of deer caught in the headlights. Yeah. And uh, a second set of ears is always a a good option to have because there's going to be things that me being dumbstruck, uh, I guess is the best word for it. And then somebody else literally hearing what, what, what's said. And so uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway is just having somebody that can navigate that jargon for you. And uh, I'm thankful that CTCA actually provided that um, because it's a valuable thing. I mean, you just, you stop, you stop listening yeah, yeah. once you get to a certain point yeah. and uh, it becomes, uh, it, it just becomes overwhelming. 
Yeah, it's important, as I often say, that cancer is not an individual sport. You need partnerships and help and support. And so glad to hear that that the um, the navigators in that particular equation was helpful for you. And obviously for many people, their caregivers that come with them and et cetera, because you're right. You get to a point in some cases for people, it's right away or it's at some other level that, you know, you just stop processing everything that's being said to you because it's just so much and you're overwhelmed at that point. Exactly. And, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom. My mom was my primary caregiver uh, and God love her. Yeah. She, she stepped up like I, my mom has always been my hero. Uh, but I, I have to say that she came to my appointments and, you know, she, she, she just took really good care of me, but good. she also was that third set of ears yeah. that, that was kind of that person, not the, not the, the, the nurse navigator that was there. So it, it was nice to have actually two sets of ears. So That's... I have to give my mom a huge, <laughs> huge, huge lift up because she, uh, she was my hero during all this. So, Well, hey, Mom, we send out love and a shout-out to you, and thank you for being there for your baby. Let's shift gears yeah. very quickly and talk about, uh, you mentioned Hope. Uh, uh, of course, this is a show that talks to an audience of faith and believers and people who have uh, deep abiding faith. How, how did faith play a role mentally, emotionally, and maybe even on some level physically with you being able to work through the rigors and the challenges of treatment of, of being told and having cancer, because you said hope was an important dynamic. How did, did faith play any role for you with regard to your journey of being a cancer patient? Faith actually played a huge role. Uh, one that I wasn't anticipating. Hmm. Um, I have to say that I was, I got lost a little along the way of my adulting mm -hmm. and just really got lost on the faith part of life. Sure. And with my first visit to CTCA, I met this wonderful man and his wife and uh, uh, they actually renewed my faith uh, in sitting, waiting for my first CT scan downstairs, uh -huh. uh, right off the elevator. And uh, from that point on, I mean, I was lost before that I was searching and, uh, truthfully, God was, uh, one of the biggest parts of my journey because it was me rediscovering my faith, but also, you know, all these things you go through in life, all these trials and tribulations. And, you know, if you just had a little more faith in things, mm. uh, uh, things would have been a, a little bit different. And so I put, I put my faith uh, that I was going to beat cancer and I, I did everything to live my life the way I needed to. And yeah. not that I didn't before, but I was more thought provoked and more just, just more of who I was meant to be. And uh, I, I credit that to getting my faith renewed literally on the first day I was at CTCA. Wow. That is a awesome story. And of course, as I often tell people, CTCA is not a faith-based organization, but we are faith-friendly. Uh, we create yeah, an atmosphere yeah. and allow an atmosphere where people can talk about and be empowered and nurtured in their faith. And I know that's how you and I met each other was through that that uh, opportunity. And I'm so glad to hear uh, that that was a huge dynamic for you. Let's talk about uh, what I really want to get to because and this is the best part of my job over the last 25 years it's been now for me uh, at CTCA. Uh, and that is I've met so many cancer patients that as a result of having cancer, 
that then they they had visions of doing things and making a difference and giving back somehow to the cancer community. And that so much is true for you. You started a foundation called the Purple Iris Foundation. Let's talk about what is that and what are you doing and how can people get involved in supporting? Well, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, It was something I felt the need to do more. Uh, In the state of Maine, there's cancer is, is very prevalent in our great state, Hmm. unfortunately. And uh, so with that being said, there was not much awareness for pancreatic cancer. Uh, It was, it was just one of those, Oh, you don't last very long. But, and so my job was to, I didn't just speak to people all over the world, but I spoke to people in Maine and we started creating awareness campaigns Hmm. uh, and the purple iris. So uh, instead of having a, a cancer in 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 the in the title, I actually wanted something that represented uh, something that I found, which was hope. And yeah. so the purple iris means faith, hope, courage, wisdom. Yes. Uh, and uh, all of that kind of repre- it did represent me and what I got was getting out of my journey. And so. With that being said, it's uh, turned into some uh, a, an entity, a nonprofit that we started with Hope Gardens, but we just started two and a half years ago a uh, Eastern Maine Cancer Relief Fund. So we provide financial assistance oh. uh, to people battling all cancers, not just pancreatic, because we can't discriminate. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of cancer in this in this in this beautiful state, and we really people struggle, uh, and, uh, they're very proud. Uh, but we provide assistance as well as, uh, fresh food baskets monthly, okay. uh, to people that apply. Wow. 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 The, one of the biggest takeaways for me over the years is how many different types of ministries and outlets that have been birthed through people who've had a cancer experience. And I mean, I can give story after story. We've, we've interviewed several people who have done so many amazing things. And the Purple Irish Foundation sounds simply fantastic. Thank you uh, for following that lead and that 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 unction, if you will, to, to do that. And I'm sure that people are being blessed. How can individuals who would like to support what you're doing? It's a it's a nonprofit. Uh, so I'm assuming a 501c3. How can people reach you and contact you to support you, my dear M.A.? So, so they can re- they can reach out to uh, www.purpleirisfoundation.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, but they can reach out to me at cparish at purpleirisfoundation.com. Uh, that's my my email. Uh, but you can find me. I I read the I read the emails from the website anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, either way, uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can reach out to any of those uh, different uh, social media entities, and and uh, we we respond. Uh, we're we're a, a small. We don't employ anybody. We're va- we're we're all volunteer based, and uh, we're just looking to make a, a big difference here in Maine. And um, uh, we're we're doing that, and uh, I'm very proud of how far we've come. Well, God bless you. My last question as we close with with the few seconds that I have and time just flies when you're spending time with wonderful people. And I consider you one of those folks. And I I love you and I thank God for you is, you um, you know, what now 
13 years later on the other side of all that you've just described, what continues to give you hope today? Wow. Just waking up every day gives me hope. Um, the fact that I still get to do that with a smile on my face and be like, wow, I'm awake. Uh, I guess getting to, to talk to people newly diagnosed with whatever cancer it is, that brings me hope uh, because I give hope. Yeah. And with me giving hope, it allows me to keep hope alive yeah. uh, because it's a, it's a symbiotic type of thing where uh, hope is, is uh, ever flowing. It's not something that, you know, I'm passing it on to you. We're sharing it. Yeah. And so if I, if I can keep hope alive for myself, and, and I can pass that on to others. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's the reason why I'm still here. Uh, God had a purpose for me, and I'm just fulfilling what I'm supposed to be doing. Woohoo! Well, today you have heard from Christina Parrish, 13-year stage four pancreatic. I'm going to say it again. 13-year stage four pancreatic cancer. Who says people are not surviving with pancreatic cancer? Uh, survivor. Uh, she was originally diagnosed in 2008, and I met her somewhere around that time at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and I'm so glad that I did. And just like the flower, Iris, you are beautiful. You are effervescent. You are full of hope. And I thank God for your life, for your story, and for your testimony today. Be encouraged. And Percy will rejoin us here in just a moment. Thank you so much. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a comprehensive cancer care network. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, thank you for bringing our guest to us today. But generally speaking, does this sort of thing happen often? I mean, the 2% chance of survival, twice. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing statistic when you sit and look at it. And, you know, I'll say with all candor, you know, that's not necessarily always the case, right. that people are able to work through and respond uh, in the manner in which Peggy did. But here's the, I think what can be said is that the attitude and the disposition of saying that I choose to live, every patient has a right to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as they move along, obviously they may have to make some adjustments, but, but making the decision and having the right to make the decision to say, I'm choosing to live today is, is something that all cancer patients can choose to do and then work from one day to the next to see how far that will take them. Yeah. What's interesting about her story is two things, is the fact that, you know, being told that type of information and uh, not being given a lot of choices and options from her perspective uh, was, a, was an amazing feat to overcome. But I think it's even more important that she overcame that because of the fact that she said that she had kind of drifted away from her faith. And that when she you know, finally came to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Chicago, she met a couple in the waiting area that basically helped her to reconnect with her faith. Hmm. And that, she said, literally changed everything for her. And, of course, here we are 13 years later yeah. still talking about her. Sure, yeah. And she's active, alive and well and has survived 
a 2% chance of living through pancreatic cancer. That's an amazing feat. It really is. Wow, it's a miracle. It, it really, yeah. really yeah. is. And so uh, I remember the day that I met her. I remember when we sat and prayed and we talked. We were at the chapel. and She made that kind of impression on you? Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, it's a, um, I was talking with a, a dear colleague of mine, Reverend Michael Lang. I'm sending you a shout out, buddy. <laughs> and, um, and I'm doing that for a reason. Okay. And we were chatting and reminiscing uh, over all of the people that we've met in 25 years because we both started out at Cancer Treatment Centers of America basically a week apart from each other. And we were reflecting on how blessed and fortunate we are and how those folks left an indelible impression upon our hearts and our souls. Mm -hmm. Because you really, until you sit down and talk with someone who is saying, I've been told I'm going to die. Can you help me? Mm. You, you, you just don't know what kind of impression that sure. makes. And then over a period of time of getting to know that individual, spending time with them, they just become a part of your consciousness. They become a part of your soul and they become a part of your psyche, quite frankly. And I remember, I remember Christina Parrish just as it was yesterday when she walked through the front door. <laughs> she must be quite a person. She is. She's fantastic. She's wonderful. She's very no-nonsense. She talked about how her mom helped her work through yeah, uh, her process yeah. and helping her to kind of uh, digest information because she was overwhelmed initially. So she, she just she's very much an everyday person who simply made a decision and said, I'm choosing not to die, and I'm going to find someone that will at least align themselves to help support me through a process of attempting to live. We've talked before about the part that attitude plays in healing, and here it comes up again. Attitude and partnership, because again, it's hard to, to maintain that type of attitude alone. You know, having someone, we know the story of Moses, that when Moses got tired, God assigned a man to stand to his left and to his right yep. to do one thing, yep. and that's to help hold up his arms, because as long as Moses kept his arms up, for those of us who know the story, that Moses was victorious and successful. But mm -hmm. if you've ever tried to hold your arms up over an extended period of <laughs> time, it, that your arms get extremely heavy. Well, it's true metaphorically for cancer patients. The lift of maintaining a disposition of a spirit of fight and can do and moving forward, your arms get tired and you need partnership with individuals that will help hold up your arms. She says she felt that she found that with her docs and the environment and people that she met at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and thank God that she did. And I was one of those people yeah. who met her and sat down and spent time with her. I thought it was interesting that she talked about dialoguing with other cancer patients. Correct. Well, again, this is so typical. And if you've never really worked through this dynamic or familiar with this community, it, it may be a foreign concept. What happens with most cancer patients is that when they work through the process, and particularly when they get on the other side of that process, they want to give they want to do something they want to give back to the cancer community because they understand Wayne how hard it is mm -hmm. and they understand how far they came mm -hmm. and they understand that there were probably days and nights that they felt like oh, I yeah. may not be able to That's make right. this yeah. and somebody came along and whispered a word gave them a prayer sent them a note uh, you know brought them a meal that may have very well made the difference on that particular day of quitting versus saying, let me get back on my horse and I'm going to keep riding one more day. And so this is very typical for many cancer yeah, it patients. It may seem insignificant to us at the time. Correct. But it certainly can be used by God to really propel them with some encouragement. Because it's timely. 
because we, you know, God sending a raven, you know, and, and just and, and showing up just at the moment yeah. when we need it in our most desperate hour. You know, I remember uh, uh, the prophet who ran and hid in the cave and he said, listen, I'm the only one out here serving you, God. And God said, you're not the only one. Get back up. You know, pick yourself up and get back out there. Well, we need a pick me up. And so God will send people to us. And when that happens, I think that they want to reciprocate that and be that for other cancer patients if they can. Yeah. Well, it's amazing to me that God crosses your path with all these wonderful people that you bring to us on the podcast. We learn so much from them. It, it, it's amazing. I tell people I'm just buried treasure. And, you know, when <laughs> and when I take my last day on planet Earth, uh, I'll just be full of stories and scenarios and occasions that truly I have become a better person mm. and a better minister uh, and a better human being because of the ability to have been given the privilege to get on a cancer patient's bus and ride with them. And they've given me that opportunity. I'm a blessed man because of it. Well, I think God knew what he was doing when he when he issued your calling. He I really was, do. He, yep. <laughs> I, and I thank God every day for it, my friend, every day. Hey, I want to point our listeners to our resource again, free of charge, what the Bible says about hope. Now, you can search the scriptures yourself and come up with this, but Percy's done the work for us. It's right uh, here. Yeah, absolutely. And when we uh, when we process this document, again, we have it all notated where you can find the particular reference in the Word of God so that you can have an ongoing uh, direct access to a document that you can feed and inspire your hope and build upon the hope of God through His Word through this document. This will be probably one of the most uh, referenced pieces of materials that you'll ever have, particularly in dark moments. Cool. It's available free of charge at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Just look for the free resource at our webpage there. And while you're at the webpage, go ahead and answer our question this week. Mm. Have you ever been faced with unfavorable odds yourself of success? And what did you choose to do about it? We'd love to hear your response to that question at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Inspiration comes from God's Word. You shared it with us earlier. Well, we open and now we'll close with this spiritual nugget for today, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, and it reads as follows. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments. That's what Christina did. There was an argument that was presented to her. And again, told her she had a 2% chance of survival. And she said, I'm going to demolish that argument. (laughs) We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. God apparently knew better about her overall outcome than anyone else did. And that's not a a negative thing, but she, she decided to lean upon that school of thought. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. She took captive the thought that she only had a 2% chance of survival. And she said, I'm going to choose to live and I'm going to find an environment that will support that and allow others to kind of feed into that. And when it was all said and done, she stood on the principles and the truth of God's word and the possibility that she could live and not die. And here she is 13 years later. So again, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Thank God that Christina was obedient to what she felt in her heart and what she believed to be true about that she could live and not die. And she decided to stick around. I love you, Christina, and you inspire me. And I know that you're going to inspire so many 
who will hear this story on today. Thank you, Christina. And thank you for listening. That's Pastor Percy McCray, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, let's go pick up our axe. We got wood to chop. Let's keep working at this thing. God's not done with you yet. God bless. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, and Phoenix take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.